Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, introduction. If I, if I felt daunted before I came along this morning <laughs> with this topic, I, I certainly feel daunted now. I, I did ask uh, Chris the question, why me? And you might very well ask the question why I said yes. And I suppose there are two reasons. One is that I can't really resist a challenge. I wouldn't have done all the work on housing I did if I was capable of resisting a challenge. But the second thing, of course, is personal. I expect everybody in this room has at some point been in the position where they had a relative, elderly or sometimes younger, where you have come across the issue of trying to get through the health and social care boundary with them and discovered that even for intelligent, competent, rational people, it's really hard to work out how to do it. And that just seems to me fundamentally not right. And so that was one of the reasons that I was attracted to this topic. I am, however, as Chris has said, rather new to this area, and so I'm delighted, and I hope the rest of you are also delighted, So I'm going to be supported by a really strong group of commissioners to work with me who do bring really rather formidable and powerful previous experience in this area. Three of them are here today, Sally Greengross is abroad. Um, I'd just like to invite them to stand up. They've all kindly agreed to stand up so that you can see them, and also they can, uh, like me, they can sort of feel a bit more freed up by saying So could, could you just stand up all together, please? From my left to right, Lord Bishard, Jeff Alzheimer's and Professor Julian Legrand. Um, so thank you very much. And uh, I'm sure they're all more familiar to you than they, are, than they are to me. And I'm also very pleased to say that Mark Pearson, the head of health at the OECD, has agreed to act as our international advisor. And speaking for myself, I'm really looking forward to getting started. I'm really looking forward to working with my fellow commissioners and indeed with the team here at the King's Fund. I started off by saying that I'm starting with an open mind, and I hope I speak for all of us in saying that we're prepared to think radically in responding to these large and difficult questions. But I also wanted to say that neither the fact that we're prepared to think radically nor the fact that we're interested in looking at international experience means that we have any necessary commitment either to tearing everything up and starting again or even to assume that there need to be really big changes. So we're starting off without any preconceptions whatever and I've been very interested in the discussion today and the kind of tension between people who think actually you, you really need to be quite radical and those who think actually you need to see what there is today and make it work better. But I'm particularly struck by the focus on the journey, the idea that what you might do is to set out a destination and steps towards it because that is this kind of way of bridging the gap between the very radical, which can be unduly disruptive, and just making it work better, which might be a fix for the next five years, but probably won't really work for the next 20. So we do certainly want to come up with something that's practical and something that people are actually going to implement. People have, of course, remarked quite rightly that this is happening with the knowledge that there's an election coming along in two years' time. And, of course, what we want to do is to try and influence policy after this election. Some of the economists is that they tend to come at things a sort of, you know, a sort of set of principles that we that we apply. And in particular, of course, we always think about choice and opportunity costs. I mean, this is practically the first thing you learn in economics. So we think about what you have to give up if you want to enable something else. One of the difficulties when you start to think about healthcare and you start to think about uh, rationing or or indeed charging or any of the other very uncomfortable themes which have all arisen today is that the NHS does still occupy quite a special position in people's psyche here, and people do have a kind of set view about what they might and should expect from it. So if you're going to propose any changes in this area, they are going to have to be, as everybody has said, very well evidenced and very convincingly argued. I'm always optimistic that you can kind of move people's thinking on, but I, one of the things I also want to say is that we are going to conduct in an open way 
there's been a lot of discussion I've been we've been asked, I mean we've been offered a huge amount of advice today, I can't ever remember being offered quite so much advice in such a short period of time. But one of the things that has struck home with me is the desire to listen to people at all levels, the experts at the top, the people who are doing the delivery on the ground, and I think most importantly, and as I've already indicated in a way when I personally started off with this, the patients. What do patients want? What are all these people? And you know, most of us are going to end up in this situation sooner or later. What is it we're all going to want when we end up in that situation? (coughs) We are going to start off as traditional with commissions with a call for evidence. We hope to get that out in two or three weeks' time. Having listened to you in this room, you all seem very keen to uh, respond to this call for evidence, and I have to say I look forward to reading whatever you send in. And we are at this stage genuinely open to ideas. And so what you send in to us is going to be of crucial importance in helping us to frame the way forward and frame what sort of new research we might need to do to support our findings. I have, as um, Chris has said, past form in doing reviews. I conducted a review on housing and I just want to sort of reflect on one or two things I learnt from this. I should say, however, having conducted the review on housing, that uh, the person who said we shouldn't forget about housing shouldn't worry about that, because the big issue for the other commission would be preventing me from thinking about housing. So that's one thing which I perhaps could set your, could set your mind at rest. <coughs> one of the things I learnt from doing the, this previous reviews was that um, when you set out the interim report where you sort of deal with the problem, everybody finds it very easy to sign up to that, because everybody recognises the problem. The greater difficulty always comes when you set out the solutions because it's always apparent when you set out the solutions that there are likely to be some losers in the solutions as well as winners. You have to be very panglossian, I think, in most fields to think that you're going to produce a set of solutions which aren't going to upset somebody. And so getting that balance of interest right is never very easy. But I'm encouraged by various sort of reflections on what people said today. I'm encouraged in particular by the focus on political consensus. One of the things that I personally found rather discouraging in the backwash of the housing review, it's now 10 years since I conducted the housing review, was that 18 months later the then Labour government adopted, I think I made 36 recommendations, 32 of which were kind of for government and the other four for the industry. And the Labour government adopted quite a lot of them and that was great. And when the coalition was elected, they undid quite a lot of the ones that Labour had adopted and then adopted another set out of 36 that Labour had originally rejected and all. And on the whole, I found this rather discouraging because actually I had also thought about a journey when I was setting off with tackling the housing question. And I actually saw my recommendations as a package which wouldn't get to the solution, but would move us towards it. And to have bits of it coming in and out, I thought was really unhelpful and rather discouraging. The other things I think is, however, that I think is encouraging is when you tackle housing and talk about housing, and of course I was talking about housing supply and wanted to get more houses built, it's apparent that people who are current homeowners know that they are likely to be losers if you get more houses built. The thing that strikes me as different about health and social care is standing here today, I have no idea how much health and social care I'm going to need in 20 years' time. So it's like a sort of philosophical issue about the veil of ignorance. We are setting up a system for all of us. I mean, I realise there are some people who are in the system today. But for people of my generation and younger, we are trying to set up a system that we think will work for us in old age, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. It will feel to be fair in old age, whether we sail through it perfectly fit or whether we need a lot of health and social care. So in a way, the winners and losers are less transparent than they are. And perhaps that will help form a consensus and help to ask difficult questions. And then the other thing I wanted to respond to is a... Another thing that came over to me very strongly when I was doing the work on housing, you can say all you like at the top level, but in the end, it's 
persuading the people on the ground who sit in the system and make the system work day to day that what you have said is worthwhile and practical that will help you towards implementation. Because if on the ground people are resistant to it, it just won't fly. And so I'm fully persuaded of the need to produce stuff that's well evidenced and that you're going to be prepared to communicate very strongly to a whole bundle of people. I'm pretty ambitious for this commission. I hope we are going to produce recommendations which cover a whole range of things, a more sustainable approach to finance, certainly, I hope, a more efficient organisation, and which meets needs in a way that people recognise as fair and helps <coughs> individuals to be aware of the support they can expect so that they are more certain and more able to deal with the system and more able to respond to it intelligently. It's really hard to respond intelligently to a system if you've really no idea about your entitlements. And this, I think, will require thinking about the principles behind what we should all be entitled to and how it would be paid for. I thought it was a tall order before I came along this morning. <laughs> I now am absolutely certain it's a very tall order indeed. But I hope that not just the commissioners, but all of you in this room are going to help me on this journey. And I know that the team at the King's Fund will help. Thank you very much.